Welcome everyone. Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. I'm very excited to have you. I promise this is a very good episode and I'm excited for you to hear it. But before that, some quick housekeeping. If you don't follow me on Instagram yet, please do at Felix.Levine. I'm also working on my TikTok channel at Felix Levine. I post a bunch of small clips from every episode on TikTok. My YouTube, search my name, Felix Levine, you'll find my channel. Every video version of every podcast is up there. And then, of course, subscribe, Apple's podcast app, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, turn those notifications on, all that good stuff. Rate, review, you know the whole shebang. I won't bore you with it. But anyways, let's get into my episode today. And my guest today, you have probably seen her all over TikTok. She is an excellent content creator She has some very hot takes, and I really, really enjoyed sitting down with her for nearly two hours. Please welcome someone that I now consider a good friend, Talia Lickstein. And we're live. Hi. It is a pleasure to have you on, seriously. Thank I've you for coming out. I've never had a more pleasant experience Wait, coming into a podcast. You know, that, that actually generally means a lot because you're my guest and we have to treat you right. You know, I, I, I believe that a lot of podcast hosts feel the same way as you, but in practice, you really take that to the next level. I appreciate more that. More so than anyone else I've worked with, so it's, it's great. I appreciate that. Um, is there a little tidbit, a little story, a little something the world doesn't know about you from what's already out in the World Wide Web and you've there's some there's some shit out about you. There's some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can't decide what people would think is more interesting. Okay. I have two. One has to do with well, you know what? Let's just try both. I'm really into musical theater. That's like a big, you know, something I wish people knew. I think that it says a lot about my personality and an aspect of myself that um People, I don't know. I think people associate theater kids, musical theater with like a certain personality. But a good or a bad association? Both. Yeah. And okay, I think fair. that those are, it's a personality yeah. that some ways good, some ways bad, but people don't see in me. Right. And they're surprised to learn that I was very much a part of that community for much of my life. And I still am at heart. Well, I heard you, I was listening earlier to um, you on Jared Freed's podcast. Oh, great. Okay. And I think you said something about. Oh, did I reveal it already? No, you didn't. Say, I think that you want that you would want your kids to to go into musical theater. I something absolutely would. Nature. Yeah, that sounds like something I would say. I, I think it's it's like a it's way more fun than sports to me. I would never want my kids to like play soccer. That's probably no. what I was saying. Oh I would yeah, want yeah. my kids to like do a play because it's just more fun for me to watch. I don't want to sit and watch them play sports. Okay, all what day. if they want to? Look, I'm not gonna like prevent my kids from from doing anything, but I'd prefer my kid tell me, you know. I don't know. Like, honestly, them saying, like, I'm I'm trans or I'm gay or whatever, like, that would not be a problem for me to deal with at all. But, I but play them saying, with- <laughs> I want to do sports my whole life and you're going to have to watch every single game. I'm like, that's going to be a transition. That's, like, that's going to be hard. That's a good bit. Right? I think it's definitely been done before. The hardest one for me ever would be if they said I'm a Republican. That would I could oh, never. Right. <laughs> but otherwise. What would you, what would you actually say? Like, you like, what would hard, I say? Hard, hardcore. Not just, like, a little, like, right-leaning, like, hardcore Republican. If they were, like, QAnon. Or no, let's oh. say conservative. Let's say in let's between not jump Q- to that. Yeah, let's not between QAnon and like a little bit right leaning. 
I would Just really, we'd have to have a sit down talk because it's, it's so not how I would have raised them. And it would mean that they had a serious, I don't know. I think that their, their brain would have been, um, altered or influenced in a way that I'm really worried about. Like they would have to really <laughs> lack empathy or something or be doing some sort of grand, um, rebellion against me as a person like it would be a oh, so it would you, be a personal thing i would be a personal I, we would have you. to figure out like i want to do therapy i want to get to the root of it i oh. would not accept it oh like it's that deep for you it, very deep yes it's like it's a core Something part of who i am your, par- your parents are liberal as well they are they are and they i don't i don't know if they would react the same way i i don't know if i'm explaining it right but they of course i would accept my kid no matter what but like if it would tell me so much more than, oh, it's just my political leaning mom. To me, I would raise them to know it's not just politics. It's who you are. And mm. it would mean that there's something that's been disrupted. And I've raised them <laughs> and there's something went wrong. And I have to address have you that. Have you ever gotten confronted by a Republican that has heard you say something mm, like this? Every day. It's welcome to my DMs. And oh, my, really? Yeah, but it, and that's fine. You have every what do, right to What do to they say? Like, what, what's the... They say their their favorite thing to say is, how can you judge somebody... Based on their political leanings, it's it's such a you're just being judgmental. And my thing is, I can think of no better way to judge someone and who they are. What else am I going to judge you on your looks? Your <laughs> politics tell me like nine out of 10 things I need to know about you. What do you feel is your responsibility to other people around you? What is your understanding of history? How much empathy do you possess? This all is answered in a, in a major way. By your political registration have so. you have you ever been surprised by a republican or a conservative that you're like okay wait i thought you were what i thought you were but you're actually not sure and i i'm not saying that all republicans are bad i do think that all bad people are republicans most but i don't think that all republicans are bad but <laughs> I have been surprised, of course, and I. There are people in my life who don't um, agree with my politics, but it's like it's it comes to major. I've had to like really reckon with those friendships and think and like do a lot of reflection. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. What What was the second one that you were thinking of? Oh, I have something called synesthesia, and that's like my always go to fun fact. But I don't know if I've addressed it online. So what I is it synesthesia? Synesthesia is like a condition where your senses are sort of mixed and you're, they bleed together. I don't know the right way to describe it. It's not like a brain disorder, I don't think, because it doesn't affect you negatively. Mm. But um, I, for example, I feel and always have, I view numbers on the number line, one through 10, as having personalities and relationships to one another and colors and outfits and genders. Oh, okay, actually, can I go through this? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Five is orange. Mm. Have you always felt that way? Four is 100% red. Really? Interesting. Okay. I, I feel more passionate about four being 100% red than five being orange. Okay. What, can you give me one? Four to me has always been yellow and a female. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. And very bossy. And do you have the personification or just the oh, no, colors? I was just, thinking, I was just doing the, the color association okay. with the numbers. That's a, that's a form of it for sure. It's like a mild form of it. Okay. What about, what about eight? Purple. Mm, no, we're not on the same page. I see eight. Fuck. I need to make a TikTok about this. You've inspired me. Eight 
for and always. Oh, I've taken tests throughout my crazy, life. Like, I think this is kind of interesting. Wait, this is actually pretty interesting. Hold on. You, they test you for it because it is technically a thing that you could make up. I don't know why you would, but if they, if the numbers and everything hasn't stayed generally the same for your whole life, then it would be a sign that you are making it up and that oh. you're not. So I've taken tests throughout my life. Oh, so like to qualify myself as like certified synesthetic, whatever. Synesthetic. Synesthete, I think. And there's other ways that I think that are like more synesthesia type things, but I don't know all of them. There's just um, my memory and like the way that I categorize, like the way that I think about my day and schedule my life is very visual and okay, wait, yeah, wait, wait. It's I want to go. Strange. We'll get to that, but a couple more numbers. Okay, I, the I numbers, need, right, right. Because I, I want to hear lost. from yours. I want to hear like okay. Uh, so what is like number eight for me is red. Okay. And looks like the number eight in body type, like very voluptuous woman. Mm. But personality wise, I always liken her to like a Susie Green from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm. Very um, overbearing. For sure. Very like, I don't know, just the type of person. Like she's she has a husband and she's like mean to the husband. Mm-hmm. You love her because she's like funny bad bitch, but she is hard to be married to, which so sucks for nine because he's married to her. Oh, oh, is <laughs> Wait, but <laughs> hold on. So, are only eight and nine married, or like, because and like the as in they're back to back? Eight are, and nine are married. Like, those is are the one only, and two married? No, no, no. Oh, it's only eight and nine. It's only eight and nine. But nine and six have something, and what it's have? it's sort of Wait, unspoken. But, but that's that's pretty bad because nine's married to eight. And eight's in between them. Yeah, I know. And as a child, I've always eight does not like six. Eight no, is threatened sure. by six. That I can see. That I can right. see. Six is um, light blue, purple for me. Fuck. Mm. This means we're like. I know we're never gonna get along. Never. But here's the cool thing: is nobody is. But I used to always feel that everybody thought this way when mm. I was a child. Like, of course, everybody would think that eight is red and and four is yellow. But I learned when I was like in high school. This is a most people don't have colors for their numbers <laughs> yeah. at all. <laughs> Um, the personality thing is completely made up in my head, okay. but I used to get upset over certain numbers being together. 68, it's not a good number. 86 is not a good number, but, or eight, 870 or 896 would be a terrible number. It's Horrible. like, they're, oh it's God, a that's confrontation. Like, that's it's like, really bad. That's like the married couple with the side piece. Exactly. But I would love, I love to see 69, wink, wink, or yeah. 96 because it's like, oh, they're together, you know, mm. they can finally they, be together for they're... a moment. Oh, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. They have like a love affair, but they don't, they would never cross that line. They don't do anything physical. Oh, really? <laughs> they they <just>, never. <laughs> they just They're good. like They're good. into each other. And oh, it's six, just like a tension the whole time. Yeah. Have you ever seen Glee? Yeah. Six reminds me of like an Emma Pillsbury. Who's Emma Pillsbury again? She's like the sweet teacher with the big eyes who has a crush on them, musical oh, guy. Oh, yeah. Or like a Miss Honey from Matilda. That's what six is to me. She's like a younger, Matilda, like... slender woman. Cute. Wait, what about. Okay, last one on the numbers. Mm-hmm. What about one and zero? Zero, I don't White. have one for. Oh. I don't have any association with zero. It starts at one. But one is <laughs> such a one. Like one is really lonely and sad, but like a little boy, white. <sighs> Do you say white? I said white for a zero. Oh, white for one for me. Okay. But oh, one close. is like, yeah, it's just like a, a lonely guy gets picked on a lot by two. Two's an older sister. Oh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
do you ever like <laughs> do you ever like tell people this and they're like yeah yeah, yeah no. usually i remember the first yeah. time i ever told someone i was in the car with my carpool going to like ninth grade and the, one of the moms is driving and I tried to explain it and she was like, Talia, like, like this isn't normal. And I was like, doesn't everybody have this? It's like a thing that starts oh, when you're yeah, little. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, no, absolutely not. And that's when I started researching and figuring out like it was you like, a weird thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a type of this synesthesia. And there's also more advanced forms of where you can like taste a color or a number sparks oh. like a smell or something. I think Kanye West and a couple other artists are like known to hear or colors or see taste or whatever i don't have any of that but i do have weird memory things and and the what, numbers thing do you have what's one of your weirdest memories one of my weirdest from your, memories from your childhood um i remember getting bitten but who wouldn't remember that i don't know from a weird memory what? a guy bit me why what prompted this bite i was i was in preschool here's a funny story i was in preschool and i I had a really big crush on this kid it was like my first crush ever what's his name brandon sufer oh he's gonna be so excited he's the sweetest guy you still friends with him yeah i still know him wow well i'll tell you how so brandon sufer um he's a real estate agent now he's doing great he and I, I had a big crush on him. I remember for picture day, his mom put him in a tiny little baby suit. This was oh. preschool. I just thought he was so cute. And I've always had the same type since, by the way, brunette. So he's this cute little brunette kid. And I wanted to, for some reason, my strategy, and I didn't learn my lesson here. My strategy for boys throughout like high school was like, show them how much better I am than them and like own them in some way. And they'll like me. It's, I don't know. No, we have to break that down because I've, I've heard. It's I was, weird I was watching, um. Hannah Burner, I had Hannah on my show a little She's while great. back, so I was just watching, um, pointing on that TV, uh, <laughs> to your episode with uh, with her a couple hours ago. Right. So um, I, I got like some fresh questions that we're okay. going to have into We got to talk about that episode because no, that's another example of some, something else we'll talk about. But, and I love Hannah. But yeah, so anyway, I like stole this kid's shovel. I was like, yeah, see that? Like girls mm. rule, boys drool. And I was for thinking sure. he's for sure going to like me now because I've intimidated him. And he just walked up to me and he bit me on the neck and he drew blood. Okay, it was really bad. And his mom had to like bring me candy the next day and apologize to my parents. Blood. My parents were fine with it. But like it was just like, you know, this kid like re- reacted really angrily <laughs> and bit me. So fast forward many, many, many years. We're like sophomores in high school. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck happened to Brandon Sufer, But <laughs> I'm at this party and this kid goes, excuse me, is your name Talia? I'm like, yeah. He goes, can I see your neck? I'm like, what? He's like, is there a scar? And I go, kind of. And he's like, I did that. My name is Brandon Sufer. Do you have it? It's somewhere back here. It's like a very faint. You can't even see it. But he knew. And Brandon Sufer and I became friends again. And he ended up taking me to his formal at his high school. Wait, that's a cute story. Isn't that cute? I know. I love that story. <laughs> Brandon. Yeah. Hey, he redeemed himself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I always had fond memories of Brandon. I He really cleared that up for me. And he was a great date also. And I met all his friends and they all were like, you're the bit, the bite girl. Like they were so excited. It was fun. Wait, that's um, that's kind of romantic. Like, well, right? if you guys ever fell in love. I know. I think maybe he was sort of hoping for that type of outcome. You I, I, I thought it was more like a friend's thing. And he was like, mm. but <laughs> I mean, like, he was very cute. I just like we weren't compatible in high school. No, it's OK. Yeah. No, he's a real estate agent. Yeah, he's doing great. He's crushing. New York? Crushing. L.A. Yeah. So born and raised in L.A. Yes. Mm. I like okay. your we, expression. No, no, I... 
I feel I didn't the same wanna way. Be, I didn't want to be rude about it. I mean, it's, it's not like there's worse. For sure. There's worse. What's worse? Um, For a New Yorker like you. I know. We're so snobby, right? I know. We're we the really worst. Are. We are, and, I'm, and I'm half French, too. So I, I say like, we as like city people, but you are the yeah, most. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm half French, so I have like extra snob. Mm. I'm like, like a real asshole, I guess, you mm-hmm. know? But... It's okay. I started off this conversation with like, here's something that I would reject my child for. And I'm sure oh, some yeah. of your listeners are like, um, yeah, okay. But, but hey, I, I am who Republican I am. Republican man so. in Ohio is like, Argh. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, where's worse? No, we can't be mean like that. Oh, come on. It's fine. Push a boundary. Push a boundary. Oh, like get into the depths of Arkansas. Mm, yeah. You know, you could have said like one of those. Right. Like deep Mississippi. But that would give me some sort of character. Being from LA, it's like, I don't know. The, it would be like a little chip on my shoulder to come from a suburban place. Where in LA are you from? I'm from West Hollywood. I'm from like is LA near, proper. Is that near Sherman Oaks? Not at all. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. And I, and I will fight that to the death Okay, also. my grandma lives in Sherman Oaks. Okay. Gotta be nice. Hey, Sherman Oaks is great, but it's just, it's the valley. There's people who are oh, raised right. okay. in like LA mainland or like... Fuck the valley, you know? So you're so West Hollywood is LA mainland? I would say so. It's it's LA proper, I should say. It's like what people when people are visiting LA, they're visiting West Hollywood, Santa Monica, that area. And you grew up there. Or East LA. Yeah, I was there my whole life. And then you went to I think I read somewhere you you went to Berkeley? Yes. I went to uh Santa Barbara my first year. Oh, cool. What happened? Where'd you leave to? Well, I was I mean, like I was just like I was like, this is the most beautiful place in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. But as a New Yorker, mm, yeah, you know what I'm saying. And it I went wasn't to, a good. Mix. I was just like, all right, I've seen everything. People right. are too nice. They like, they hold the door for you if you're like 15 feet away. Oh, I hate that. That's oh. mean. To like me. they they apologize when they knock into you. Oh. I hate that. Yeah, just get on with your day. Go on. Like I need the New York stuff where it's like you bump right. into somebody, you just keep going. I totally understand. There's two. Oh, and then this my breaking point. I'm gonna sound like actually like no, it's fine. The one day it rained. Um. Uh, this. People were always showing up People barefoot to class. What do you mean? Like so this one girl, yeah, no, no, like without the flip flop, like feet. No way. Foot, I, I thought s- that was a myth. On my, on my mother's life. Berkeley kids make fun of SB kids all the time for like things I like oh they're barefoot. God. And I, and as a New Yorker, like you don't, you don't do that. Like because it's like because here it's right. disgusting right. grounds. Like if I took walk. my yeah. shoe off, like I hope you would never like speak to me. Right. And this and it was raining and this girl came in barefoot, dra- like tracking in the whole class, mm. sat right next to me. And I was just like, I gotta get it. It's not my type of people. Oh my god! That was like, I mean, that's I what, admire me. that you know yourself that well. I I, love I was just that like, you knew when to leave. I well, yeah, I think I knew early on. Um, haven't stepped foot since, but it's oh. a beautiful place. It is, and so it's is Berkeley like a Resort. I love Berkeley. Berkeley's like a well, I visit. I, I can get in. I. It was my dream school, and I can't believe I got in. I really, really put all my eggs in one basket with that one. Like, I really and only wanted the, to you go got, there. And you got the in-state tuition? Oh, my God. I oh. still – anytime like, my I'm parents jealous. try in a fight, I'm so tempted to be like, do you yeah. know how much money I saved you? <laughs> you if, I went to No, I, I'm, I didn't. So oh, I was not um, – I always say I wasn't, like, a spoiled kid. I was an only kid. And so I got to, like, my parents – got to send me to private high school because they really wanted me to go to a private high school. But it was like not something that came. Yeah, Jewish. Not something that came easily, but something that came because it was the only person that they had to spend money on. So they kind of spent everything on me. I'm the only child as well. I know that. I know You know how it goes. So I wasn't allowed to go to a private university. So it was kind of Berkeley or bus for me. Do you, were your parents together? They are. 
They are still together. Interesting. Are yours? No. No. Divorced when I was like very young. So I wonder like being an only child growing up with two parents together. Yeah. I wonder what that's like. It's a triangle. It's like literally yeah, the it's dynamic. Like, yeah, it's, it's like a, <laughs> I, it's, it's like a really triple weird. marriage. Yeah. It's, we, they really do use me for leverage in their fights. And like I always feel like I'm on a different side. There's never been a time in my life where I felt there's a really fucked up game that I play in my head. God, I really, if mom and dad, if you're listening to this, turn it off right now. They don't want to listen. It's a human thing for any only child to do. I've Googled it. I know. Okay. I've talked to a therapist about it. Okay. Every time in my life, I've always felt I don't, um, I'm never equal between them. I love them both very much and for different reasons. Okay. They bring different things to my life. Right. But it's always like I'm closer with one than the other for a couple months. Then I bounce to the other one. And I've always had this question in my head of if like one more? of them, well, oh. not who, I like them both equally for different reasons. Yeah. And I really do feel certain about that. I like spending time with them both for different Just reasons. Spit it out. I'm, okay, fine. If one of them were to go oh, who is right it? now, I don't know which one you would You told me be. dad off camera. <laughs> don't say that. That's I'm, not true. I'm just <laughs> But I've always thought like which one would my life be harder or easier with which one gone? I've never been able to figure it out. Like which one would be easier if they went? I don't know. I really don't know. There's benefits and drawbacks to both. (laughs) It's really weird. I feel like it would be a little gloomy to go through the benefits and drawbacks of each. But (laughs) we won't do that to your parents. They're already suffering enough. But wait. (laughs) So that's like like a little bit of an intrusive thought that uh, gets to you every time, no? All the time. I always think Okay, but there has to be one day in your life that you're like, okay, I think I have an answer. There have been times where I'm in a fight with one or or one of them and- Okay, gun to your head right now if you had to pick one. One right now, one of my parents to die. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That is I'll so tell you, funny. if I did have multiple kids, though, I'd be able to pick like that. I I hate when people say they don't have a favorite child. Oh, that's a hundred. See, but we're the favorite children. We're the golden well, yes, children. Yes, but and I can see. And yeah, it's not hard. I can look at families with multiple children from afar, and my gift is that I can always tell who's the favorite. Always. That's so fucked. There's always a favorite. Yeah, it's true. We never really had to go through that. Honestly, we have such benefits. Yeah. Like, okay, how do you feel about this? Being an only child, does Mm -hmm. it make you want to have multiple kids? It makes me want to have no kids. What about you? Why? I, well, A, that's a whole other discussion because I've never felt a calling to be a mom. But I think if I were, I don't know what a dynamic would be like with multiple kids. I only know what it's like to have one. And my experience being the one, it seems hard to raise children. And I'm only one. So I'm like, if I'm this much of a handful, but I, I don't like, want to have any. But I feel like you have like, and I literally mean this in the best way possible, like very like motherly instincts. Like, thank you. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, like, I don't know. I would, out of a hundred people, like I'd rather see you as a mother than like many, many, many people that are currently mothers. You that know what means I mean? a lot to me. So I, but I feel that way about like a lot of people who are moms. It's like they shouldn't be. Well, yeah, <laughs> don't you feel that? That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but I mean, we're talking about you. Um, so you've never felt like a motherly calling. The calling has never okay, been we're there. Also, we're also young. We are very young, but I'll tell you this. I really feel that at 24 years old, if I've never had a single moment in my life, where it seemed appealing to me. I the, the thought of having a Never. child and not not just having one but even like adopting one. I it really like repulses me. It makes me feel automatically like oh, I can never do it and it does not seem appealing in any way. And I feel that now that I'm 24, people's reaction is always to tell me you'll change your mind or they start trying to convince me wait reasons I should no, have no. one and I'm thinking how what a disservice to the child that doesn't exist yet 
that their mom had to be convinced. Why would you want a kid to grow up with a mom who had to be convinced? If a person knows, I feel like I'm doing a service to the world by not bringing in a child who was not completely wanted. If you wanted a kid your whole life, you should have a kid and you're going to be a great mom. If you had to be convinced into it or like maybe my husband in the future was the one who wanted it. So I kind of reluctantly was like, okay, I could get myself to rise to the occasion. That's not fair to the kid. You should really want it for multiple years. I believe that if you're 24 and you don't want it, you shouldn't have one ever. I think I'm pretty developed. Like I know my brain. I, I mean, I'm not going to tell you don't. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Do you want kids? Yes. Yes. And how long have you known that? For a long time. Yeah. It's an instinct in you. You know. Some people just don't have it. I'm yeah, one maybe. of them. Okay, the question. Do you see yourself like getting married or of that nature of that like long-term partnership? I see myself having a long-term partner who I meet late in life. Mm. I would be very open to that person having kids of their own that are like teenagers or grown. Interesting. And becoming a stepmom. I love kids, so it's the, it's but I don't want any of my own. Interesting. Yeah. I would love, you know what? I go so far as to say, if I weren't doing the career that I do now, right. my alternative dream career would be to run a summer camp or some sort of youth programming thing. So I it's, love it's kids. It's just not yours. But just not mine. But like, do you, have a, do you have a fear that you wouldn't be a good mother? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I don't think it would be fair. The reason I don't want them is I don't think it would be fair to the child or to myself. But you don't think it would be fair because you have a fear of how you'd be as a mother or you just simply like the idea that it's one of yours is just it's it's a when it's mine it's mine full time right it's my, it is my sole responsibility i think that when you have a kid it should be the number one thing on your mind pretty much all the time right what, what do you want the number one thing on your mind to be when or, myself and my and my growth and prosperity and having fun do you could you imagine that your mindset at 35 or 40 could be different are you open to, to if it i have achieved everything else that i wanted to achieve in life and i find myself with lots of money and lots of spare time and no other goals personally that I want to achieve, then the next thing would be, fine, why don't I adopt a kid? <laughs> Is the actual like physical act of having a child part play into this? No, I actually would love to be pregnant. I <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> weird. I think that pregnant women are so cute and they have such a glow. And I love when I get really full. <laughs> On a meal. <laughs> I love and I walk around like I'm pregnant. Sorry, I have news for you. I think it's a little different when you have a lot of sushi than when you have a little baby But in I you. just love like a baby bump. I would love to be a pregnant woman. I think it's so like, and the act, like the, the idea of like your body doing what it's technically designed to right, do. Right. It's a beautiful thing. I'd love to experience it, but I don't want to <laughs> raise a child. Maybe I'll be a surrogate. That's what I was saying. I was literally thinking, I'm like, you make, talk about money. Yeah, I would love to do that. Oh my God. I think we just found something I that think, I could do. No, like. You want to buy a house in New York City? I would happily be a have surrogate. Like two or three, and you're good. You know how much the Kardashians probably pay their surrogates? Oh my! And they probably God. put them up in a nice place and pay for. Oh, they probably. Oh, oh, that's like oh. millions and millions and millions. But there's a that's, lot of monitoring. They make sure yeah. oh, that you're doing God. all the right stuff. They're probably like locked into a room. And I couldn't vape for so long. <laughs> if oh. it were my own kid, oh, I'd vape big, and eat sushi all the time. Big vapor. Big time. Jeweler or like just. I have like a little like disposable. Jewel, I, I would still be jeweling if I could, but you can't buy them anymore. Oh, yeah. Wait, but I still have a bunch of friends who have the jewel. How do they have them? They're probably buying like tobacco pods, which I think tastes really bad. I'd rather get the cool mint disposable. Wait, so you just hit the vape and then sushi? 
I would hit the vape and sushi, which are two things you're not technically supposed oh, yeah, to do when no. you're pregnant. And if it were my kid, I would do that because I'm like, it's my, my kid. My mom ate a lot of sushi when she had me. She told me. Really? Makes sense. Right? It's okay. It's, it's not the worst thing that you can do. I think the worst one is probably... My mom had like one cigarette, I think, while I was, she was pregnant with me. She, was, was she told me the out. first thing that she did when she had me was she smoked a cigarette after. Oh, I probably felt so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that gives you any idea yeah. who my mom is. She's great, but she's very like, you know, she still smokes and she's, she's a lot of fun. That's interesting. See, I feel like even in just talking for like 20 minutes, there's a lot of like contradictions. Well, contradictions. I don't want to say contradiction. That's not the right word. Mm. Uh, like I want to be pregnant, but I don't want to have kids. Right, right, I, right, right. You know what I mean? That type of. Yes. Well, I'm, why I'm they, a, that's why it's interesting. It's complex. I think people forget because I, I show so much of myself. Yeah. One side of myself online. They forget that it's not the entire side. Like that one side is not my whole life. And I am multifaceted. I think they feel this way about all internet personalities, content creators, yeah. celebrities, comics, what have you. What you're showing to the world, you give so much of yourself and you're so honest. People tend to assume that is all of her. But I am multifaceted. That's why the musical theater thing, I think, surprises people. You know? Did you always... Do you feel like you know yourself well now? I think I know myself really well. But something that happens a lot to me on podcasts, which is what you brought up with the Hannah Burner thing, I often... My nerves, like coming in to record a podcast, my nerves are not, I'm not shaking, I'm not scared, I'm not quiet. They often manifest in a different way. I used to think I didn't get nervous, but I do. My nerves manifest as me trying really hard to um, appeal to the audience that I think the podcast is going for. Mm. So for example, Hannah's, which was probably like the third podcast I ever did, Hannah's podcast I was thinking, well, it's a lot of young women and, mm. and girls who watched her Summer House, Bravo, girls who like reality TV, girls who mostly, most of them are probably straight, right? Because she gives a lot of dating advice, right. heterosexual dating advice. So I really went in there, I think nervous in a way that I didn't realize to appeal to her audience. And I was really also trying super hard to be funny. And when I do that, I, lo I listen back to that. But thank you very much. <laughs> but I listened back to that podcast yeah. And I'm like, who is that? Like, I oh, really, really wouldn't like answer any of the questions the same. And I think I kind of black out. I went on Drew Afuelo's podcast recently. She's brilliant. And I was, I think I was really nervous to be on a podcast that was taken so seriously and so big. And I, I haven't listened to it yet, but I remember walking out of there being like, I wasn't myself. I just wasn't myself. Like, I didn't answer the questions the way I would have. And Hannah's, that's what scares me about like going on dates and stuff is I think like, oh, people are going to like listen to podcasts before and then oh. know me. And I'm like, that's not a correct depiction of who that. I am. I've so, never even thought about that. Yeah. You don't think about girls listening to your podcast before they go out with you? Honestly, no. Really? <laughs> it's terrifying. It's like such a big part of your life. Wait, that's terrifying. Now that I think about it. I, if I were going out with you, I'd listen to the podcast to get a sense of who you are. Fuck. Yeah. So if you're listening to this... This is th so far. I feel like this has gone really. It's been really honest. And well, great, that's but. why I think. Well, what you were just saying right now. The part that really I think is important in general, and for me, that I try to apply to every aspect of my life is what you're describing about how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. That for me is always the most important. Like I know that I'm going to make mistakes. I know that I'm going to do X, Y, Z. But at the end of the day, I just want to know that I was myself. Right. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Then I can sleep. It's really hard if you, for me to if, sleep And that's like, that's like the hard part that. when you, you know, when you, and I thought, I mean, from a, from a spectator's point of view, when I was watching the podcast, I like, I had, it was funny. I mean, you know, obviously there's a bunch of different topics mm -hmm. that 
that could play into that. But um, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I was looking at somebody who was trying to be somebody else. I'm but, glad. But it's interesting. But that's why for me, it's interesting to hear that you felt that it wasn't right. you. I really felt that it wasn't me. And I feel that. Because you're trying to be like maybe like talk about like too many sex things or yes, whatever. Yes, I yeah, was I trying to talk mean. about sex stuff. I was trying to like hit on like what is something that a straight 20 year old girl. Well, sure. But, but she, not Hannah's and I'm not, more experience and, and, and she's And she's amazing. I love Hannah. She's the best. But she has more experience with doing right. a podcast every week. And I had my own podcast at Betches for a while. Oh, right, right, We right. did a season. And those every time, first of all, I can't listen to them anymore because I was so yes. new to podcasting. It was the first time I'd ever done a podcast. We were so green to it. I would, I, I would interrupt her all the time or I'd say things that I didn't want to say or I, whatever. And I can't like, I think it's good. I think you should be looking back as, at this time in your life in your early 20s and mm-hmm. looking at a version of yourself from a year ago and thinking, who is that? I think that's good that I'm growing so much and so fast. But like, oh my God, like I think that podcasts are place where I happen to really lose sight of who I am and Hannah's questions that she does at the end right I listened to how I want to do her podcast again because we've also gotten closer and Mm -hmm. I think it would be more fun but she the questions are great and I answered every single one of them in a way that is like no that is a lie like I don't feel that way you know what I mean so that that you think is rooted in nerves yeah, I think I just was really desperate to be quick. And when I'm trying to be quick or funny or appeal to an audience that might not be, I don't know, that I really want to like me, I lose myself. Do you think you generally try to appeal to people or people please? I used to not. I used to I mean, be so confident in who I was. And now people like ask about the effects of like my job and what is it like to, you know, I have a million followers on TikTok and what is it like to talk about your life to those people? And I'd say like, oh, like, you know, my life is relatively the same. I don't feel like I'm mentally unwell, blah, blah, blah. But I think the toll that it's taken on me is like trying to keep my livelihood depends on staying relevant and staying likable to the better part of a million people. And I think that that pressure, there are harder jobs and that's not what I'm saying. I'm very blessed to have the job that I do. But that pressure of staying likable, staying relevant, while also... I can't just like shut up. I can't stay not, um, you know, giving hot takes. I can't stop doing what I do because that stops my job. So I have to keep doing it, but I have to make sure that every single time it's going to hit the right audience and it's going to be likable. I can't fuck up. If I lose this audience, I lose my livelihood and I lose everything. So it's pressure that has made me a lot more, a lot of self-doubt. But I can make the argument though that the way you got there in the first place is you were making content that was pretty authentic to who you are. Mm-hmm. So I guess the fear is that you, if you stop, if you, if that pressure is too much where you, it, it, you're making content that's not authentic to who you are, then you're kind of going away from what got you to where you are. Exactly. I feel that the more I try to keep my audience and people please and keep everyone happy, the less I stay true to who I am. And to this day, on as far as TikTok goes, I don't feel that it's the same as podcasting because I have sole control over it and I can take as much time as I want to make a TikTok. So I am very authentically myself. And nothing I say on TikTok is something I don't mean. So I really do feel that it's myself. It's still me. But like, I, I'll look at old TikToks, for example, that I used to make when I was first like climbing. And I'm, I look at TikToks that I make now. And I cushion the blow of my words and opinions, even though they're not necessarily controversial opinions, but it's like, I don't like this and I don't like that. 
I cushion the blow so much more now than before. Mm. I used to just say what I felt and trust that people would get it and they did. And now I know that I've cultivated an audience of people who are smart and like-minded. Like I, the likelihood that it hits the right audience is more so now because the people who follow me know me. But I am so much more scared. I have so much more to lose now. I pay my rent off this thing. So now I'm like, I cushion everything with like, you know, I just try to make sure that it cannot be misconstrued in any way. And I'm a lot more heavy handed with my words or is it not heavy handed? But like I say a lot more. I don't get to the point as quick because I'm so nervous now for losing it. Yeah, but do you want to always live like that? It's a terrible way to live. Yeah. (laughs) It's awful. It's taking a toll too. It's like, as I said, it's making my self-talk negative, you know? Also because like, I don't even think that in that mindset, like I have no doubts that whatever, I'm not even saying this to flatter you, like I have no doubts in whatever you try to do, whatever routes you go, whether it's you pivot to, to any other, you know, I guess adjacent field, you'll find success. But I still think that like this is, in terms of longevity, it's hard to have longevity a, in general on social media, but B, like I think if like you're living in fear. I mean, yeah. Whoever got also, successful like, from living in fear. Well, right. But also I feel like our generation loves somebody that's not cushioning. Right. And I think that's kind of like from what I can observe of that's like why people really like you is because you weren't cushioning. Right. And why people still like you because you're not like it's not like. Right. You know what I mean? I think that I've manufactured a lot of it to look like I'm not cushioning and I'm not um, filtered. The word that people always say that kind of peeves me is Talia is really unfiltered. And I say, you have no idea how fucking filtered I am. Like it's so, there's nothing that wants to come out of my mouth that truly would anger anyone. But I'm so scared of it being misinterpreted that I make sure it goes through such a filter. And it's not how I used to be. And I have to really check myself and make sure, like, stay but true to who's you. Who's gonna, who's gonna, who's gonna cancel you? Well, hey, I, I truly, I have no opinions or nothing that wants to, as I said, nothing that wants to come out that I think is worthy of cancellation. I have no right. thoughts that are awful or harmful. And you treat people but, with respect. And like, I do. I don't have bad thoughts, and I don't have any skeletons so then, in my closet. So then, why not go for it? Because I'm afraid of the way that the internet. Do, do have you ever felt? I don't believe that cancel culture is truly real, first of all, yeah, especially so for either. someone who looks like me. But I think that the the drama of like the two-week news cycle, whatever two weeks I'm going to be under fire for like somebody misinterpreting, like somebody who's chronically online on Twitter is offended by something, me talking about Selena Gomez in a way that they found to be harmful by anal- analyzing it in this certain way. Mm-hmm. I think that a normal, logical, not chronically online person would find all of my takes to be like, that's an okay thing to say. Everyone would say everything that I think in the privacy of their home and it would not be the least bit controversial. But I am scared of the uprising of a bunch of illogical people getting mad at me and it just having to deal with that for two weeks. I just don't want to. I'm scared of the drama and I'd rather just live a peaceful life. I've had bouts of like, you know, the podcast, whatever, like making people angry, getting bad reviews for a week straight, whatever, because of something that I felt in my heart is miscommunication and not truly indicative of me being a bad person. And I know that and all the people I love and all the people who follow me know that, but I still hated getting canceled for a week. It sucked. So so what I guess what was what was the true feeling of being canceled if you had to describe it? I wasn't even canceled, but it was it was the feeling of people really not um, judging your character based on one clip, one thing taken out of context. What was the clip again? 
Oh, this was the time that I'm referring to. I am scared, but <laughs> I have such PTSD from it. On our podcast with Betches, we were hired to do this podcast that was, it was called Bad Vibes. And, you know, if you read the bio of the podcast, it was like, no one on the internet is safe. They're going to be dropping their unfiltered buzzword opinions, names, everything, first and last, dropping names about other people on the internet. And we, you know, they wanted us to draw in a Gen Z audience. That was our job. And by doing that, they were like, don't shy away from controversy. And it worked. We got a really big following of Gen Z women. But we had in um, a person who was like a blind item specialist and they wanted to talk gossip of different New York City influencers. And at the time, I wasn't aware of like the reach of our podcast Mm -hmm. and how it sort of still felt we're like on our third episode ever of recording a podcast. And it felt like it was just me and my co-host and the producer in the room. I hadn't thought about how this could affect other people. And it was... I was trying so hard to do the job that I was hired to do and like be controversial the way that Betches wanted us to be to get these young women to listen. And, you know, and I don't want to blame it on Betches. They just, they didn't want it to go this way either. But we said, you know, about two or three other influencers, we just shared gossip that we heard. And it was so mean and not who I am. But I was trying so hard once again to appeal and get people to listen. And I remember being like shocked that people even heard it. I'm like, wait, 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 this is a real podcast and people hear. But the only one, the, the two people that we did speak about who I really felt it was deeply unfair took it so graciously and were so open to us apologizing and accepted us our apologies in a way that I don't even think that we deserved, even though I didn't mean anything, any malice. Right. They were so nice about it. You can see how nervous I get yeah. talking about this. It was <laughs> yeah, so bad. Yeah, but um. They were so kind about it. And to this day, I don't know, they might hate me secretly, but they have not shown me that. They've been so kind. Um, And they seem to have really gotten past it quickly. So it was great. But there was another person who worked at Barstool who I remember we said something like, oh, she's so funny. She's so hot. She's cool. But I hate that she works at Barstool. Whatever, because I don't like Barstool. And her um, people wrote into her podcast and said, they talked about you on a podcast in which they discussed other women. And they shared gossip. And I don't think that if she heard that podcast episode, she would have been offended. But she responded to it and asserted, Wait, I didn't I think listen. I kind of maybe you probably remember this. It was, it was a good week of like really bad like PR. I don't know what after, but yeah. But, um, no, she responded, rightfully so. But she heard that people were talking about her. And she said, I didn't listen to the podcast, but you're talking about other women. You're gossiping about them. And it's, um, you know, I remember the quote was like, you're setting back women 10 years, which to me was like, okay, you work for Dave Portnoy, so don't tell me about feminism. But <laughs> I, I was like, she has the right to say that if she didn't listen to the episode, right? She doesn't know what we said. Um, and that just led all these people who hadn't listened to our podcast ever, didn't know anything about us to come and just repeat her oh, words okay, to me yeah, yeah. and say, you're a bad feminist. You're talking about women. You're setting back women 10 years. And I, part of me was like, you're right. It was a shitty idea for a, an episode. But also it was like, this isn't me. This is one five minutes of my life that was taken very out of context by a person that I legally can't respond to and I can't do anything. <laughs> and I, I, all I wanted to do was say, like, come on our podcast and we'll talk about it. Right, I wanted right, to talk right, to her. Right, right. I wanted to tell her I'm sorry, but also listen. And Betches pulled the episode. That wasn't our choice. I wish that they had kept it up so that she could go. Wow, so this is like, like serious. It was serious for a week. I think I, yeah, I think now I kind of know who and yeah. what you're talking about. It blew over. It always does. It always does. Like, See, nobody cares. I wasn't canceled. Everything is fine. No, like, and this girl's great. I, I really hope that one day we can be friends. But 
I wasn't canceled, but it was the shittiest week of my life. Right, right. And I never want that to happen again. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what happened. And it was really hard for my co-hosts and me as well. You know, having a bunch of Barstool fans in your DMs is not oh, fun. Yeah. No, I've had, so, I've, had a, I've had a couple of Barstool people on um, that I think are related to what you're talking about. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I know that in general. They're funny and great. I really like no, them. No, no. And, and, and well, the two I had are, are um, Grace O'Malley and um, Caroline, uh, who are both. I mean, very gracious and lovely people to They're me. Hysterical. So, um, I don't know who Caroline is, but Grace is hysterical. Yeah, but Grace the best. she rightfully so probably doesn't like me anymore, and that's like that's okay. Yeah, but I, had, I, had I wish her, that we could talk it out. Had, then, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I wish one day if you hear one this, day, one day. I <laughs> let mean, me know. What's so funny is like I know now, like getting to know you both, like it's so petty, stupid shit. Like y'all would be next to each other, like bantering. Oh, time. I know we would. That was the sad part is yeah. I know we would. And I, it was partially my fault for agreeing to do this podcast, but I was like, I fucked it up by not thinking and trying so hard to be funny. I mean, it's crazy that like, no, but I can also understand like episode three and you're like, this is like the goal of your show. Like, right. You're not, especially if somebody gets to know you, they know that you're not here to. And it wasn't anything bad that we said. I, I stand by the fact that if they had listened to the podcast, they would not have cared, but it was the way that we portrayed. Like we were like, we're going to talk it shit. It is what it is. So it is what it is. But, you know, yeah, that was a scary time in my career. And that was like the first time that I ever had a taste. This was what, like a year ago? This was a year ago. Exactly. Exactly. You, re- oh, you really ago. remember. Oh, I remember. And it was the first only week time. March 2022? It was literally like the first or second week of March. It was, it was the only. And you survived. Look at you. I survived. And it was the only time that I've ever felt oh. like I lost the public. Right. And it was very small niche. It was deeply embarrassing and humiliating. And I, all I wanted to do was shake the shoulders of everyone and be like, no, but listen, and look at who I am as a whole, and right, this isn't right. me. But you can't do that. And it's one of those things where it's like being a public figure means reckoning with like, not everyone is going to have the correct interpretation of you. And you have to be fine with that. Right. And I'm like a person who's really trying to be fine with that. And I'm not. But do so. you, okay, do you think, like if you exponentially blew up, let's say tenfold in the next month you'd be ready for it no but i'd have to roll with it right i think that i was like born to do what i do but maybe not on that scale why not i i the part of it that is the least appealing to me and i know that this is like so cliche and probably what everybody say would say it. <laughs> Spit it out. the part of like what my job is that is the least appealing to me is the loss of my anonymity mm. and i know that i can't do what i do i people always say like okay well you don't have to be a content creator you don't have to do what you do and I challenge that with like yes I do because it is the only thing that I can do that I'm good at that I love and that I can make money from there are a lot of other things that I'm okay at but I can't make money from them and there are other things that I could make money from but I can't be happy and do what I do I feel that I have something to say to the world if I don't say it and I don't have this platform to reach people and see if people agree with me and like shout my voice into the world I will go crazy. Like I have to do this job. It's who I am. And I talk to people who are like, you know, studying to be doctors. They're in residency. They're working 26 hour shifts and they're complaining to be my friends. And would I ever tell them you don't have to be a doctor? No, it's their calling. This is what they must do, but there's drawbacks. So for me, the drawback of what I do is loss of anonymity. And that's the price that I pay. Have you felt like, like when you're in the city, like, do you get recognized? Like, have you had a lot of moments like that? Yes. And it's not 
a part that I like at all. Like what, what, give me like some of the interactions, how they go. People come up and they touch you and they grab. Some people are lovely, but like me as a person, I don't really want to talk small talk with anybody yeah, ever. I don't you. want to be stopped in the street, but I, hey, that it's, it's part of the job. And these people technically with their eyeballs are paying for my life. So I have to show gratitude. Have you ever seen Seinfeld? Yes. Do you remember the episode where Jerry's neighbors like start wanting to talk to him and because they, they know him from that sign, that poster in the lobby? No? No, but I could kind of picture how it would go. The idea is that the loss of his anonymity is really annoying for him because now he feels like he has to say hi to everyone. And he it's not that he is an asshole and is going to snub them when they say hi. The hard part for him is that he feels guilty and he has to say hi. It would be better and easier for both parties if they just didn't know each other so that they could ignore it and he would never feel like I'm never if someone comes up to me in the street I'm never going to be rude I'm always going to take like a ridiculously long amount of time and talk to them because I feel so happy and grateful and I want them to feel good about talking to me but I would rather not talk to them all together but I know if they come up to me I will I'm never going to just be like no fuck off so I'll wear like a mask and sunglasses in like really college student heavy parts of Manhattan because I don't want mm. to stop and chat for five minutes. And I know that if someone stops me, I will. Does it happen frequently? In college heavy parts. In yeah. like in parts that are like riddled with 20 year olds. Yes. If I were to go to like the Upper West Side, no, it wouldn't really happen. So. And I guess it could only. Could only increase. It can only increase. And that's like. I want to keep doing my job, but that's what's going to happen if you, I get successful. Are there other, because you were saying about kind of goals and things that you would want to do, I guess be like stupid wealthy before you consider having little babies. <laughs> um, what would some of those things be if if you had it your way in the next 10 years? Other things that I want to accomplish? Yeah. Whether, yeah. Um, I really, I got into like doing the content creation thing is sort of a means to an end. I wanted it to lead me to, you know, television. I always wanted to be in political satire. At first it was late night. I really saw myself like working for The Daily Show. I don't want to be a writer anymore, but I would still love to be a correspondent. I would love to have my own type of show mm -hmm. that has to do with that. I don't know if you've seen like Andrew Callahan, All Gas, No Breaks. Oh, yeah. It's a big inspiration mm -hmm. of mine, the idea of like talking to people across America. Um, and I would love to write a show and have like a comedy. So in the next 10 years, I, it would be to like transcend the TikToker thing and get to a place where I can like make long form traditional TV. And that's my goal. And if I were to do those things, say I won like an Emmy by 35, I would be like, okay, I guess I could have a kid now. You know this what I kid mean? thing is funny. <laughs> it's like, it's literally like your last fucking resort. You're like, eh. Yeah. If I have <laughs> to, if, if I'm successful, bored. if I get the Grammy, like. Right. But if it's I get true. bored, Jesus Christ, <laughs> poor kids. If you ever have kids and they're watching this one day, they'll be like, babies, I'm so <laughs> sorry. Mommy loves Mo you. <laughs> Mommy loves you. She really Not as much as her you. Emmy that she doesn't have, but she loves you. <laughs> oh, my God. Watch me name a kid Emmy. Change oh. my mind when I'm 30. Oh, my God. <laughs> poor thing. Yeah. The, no, but it's it's interesting. It, well, I think, too, because your personality is very like and i think it's extremely admirable that the way that you're um career driven and brand driven and 
but I think also from like the human perspective, like I think that, and it's even interesting to hear you say like, you don't really like having people kind of like come up and talk to you. Cause I think in a lot of ways, like you're like, you're extremely personable, you know what I mean? So it's like a, it's this, this interesting dynamic or juxtaposition where you're just like, Hmm, like it's a, you're dealing with a, with an interesting kind of psychology. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. I, it could be lonely I can imagine at times it is but I I think my natural state I'm very much a loner I'm happiest alone which is why sometimes it bothers me to stop and chat with people I'll always be happy to talk to someone and that I think that's part of my job but it's just like and I would never I, I some other people's um solution to the whole like oh I don't want to be stopped in the street this is the downside of the job they will just be mean to the people who stop them in the street like right. I'm not going to take it out on them right it's just in my own head. It's like I'd rather it not happen because I know I'll stop and chat for 20 minutes because I feel guilty. But I – yeah, I think I think that like you, you say I'm personable. I am personable. I love people, but I don't um, – I'm happier by myself. I'm happier not talking to anybody. Do you live alone? I do. How's that? I love it. And I sometimes find that I've – I'll go. You love it too. I, I can't understand people who like want roommates. I, I think it's oh, beautiful no, that, no. No, that, that people no. like like to be around people so much. <laughs> I would never want to. That's another thing that like makes me not want to get married is the idea of like somebody being in my house. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like your husband? Yeah. Like or what like... if I came home? <laughs> have you seen Sex in the City? I keep referring yeah. to these shows. There's a great episode, my favorite episode ever of Sex in the City. It's an episode called The Good Fight. Okay. Yeah. Carrie and Aiden start living together. And she is dealing with coming home and him asking her, how was your day, sugar plum? Yeah. And she's like, can you give me 10 minutes to shut up? That. And as soon as he gives her the space, she's like down to talk to him again. So it's like that. Do you think that's an only child thing? It might be. It might be. I think that might be. But I know a lot of only children who don't like to be alone at all. There's like a happy medium. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I don't want to spend every day alone. Right. I like, like I'd much rather be in my situation than having a roommate. But like, you know, when you spend, like if you're working all day, stuff like that, like it's nice to go and like see people. I'm not a hermit either. I try not to be. Do you feel like it's better for your mental health to live alone or worse, but makes you happier? Is it like a good, is it, is it a life enriching pleasure or a guilty pleasure? Well, that's a good question. I think it might be a might be a guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. I think but I'll be honest, like sometimes it's have you been in a long term relationship? Mm-mm. Have you? Mm-hmm. I've been in long term relationships for multiple years. Right. Um and I think but that was also when I was younger. Uh-huh. And I think in, like, my, I guess, professional life, like, the one thing that I, that I think is, that I don't like mm-hmm. is being able to experience all these cool moments professionally and not share that with somebody. Mm-hmm. That, I think, makes me upset. Like, if I'm going, I don't know, I'm, like, I won't bore you with examples, but, like, like I've traveled to a bunch of different cool places to, like, record shows with awesome people. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, you know, and then you're, like, staying in a nice hotel and you're, like, you know, you're, like, in who God knows where. And you're, like, but you're alone. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, oh, this, like, this would be so fun to share this experience with somebody that you love. 
And so that I think is very lonely. Mm -hmm. But I think in general, or even like on the day to day, you know, like working super hard and then like going, having your person sounds lovely. But then there's also moments where you're happy to be do it alone. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think like the only child thing like plays into it many times. But then there's also like, I grew up alone. That's my mentality. I also was like divorced parents. So like I was always, I was always independent, like mm -hmm. when I was younger. Um, so it's a weird one. I feel, I think that being alone, I, I used to view it as a life enriching thing and mm -hmm. something that I kind of like thought myself to be better than other people because of like, I was like, oh, I'm able to be alone for long amounts of time very comfortably. Sucks for you. I'm more mature than you are. Right. And I still do feel that it's very important to be able to live alone once in your life and feel good alone. But um, now it's gotten to a point where I'm like, girl, like you just, I'm so, it's so my natural state. I'm so comfortable being alone. I'll go days without talking out loud and realize that later. And I'm like, isn't that weird? It's so weird. And I don't mind it, but I'm, I know that it's probably bad for me. And I find myself when I get into conversations after those periods alone, um, I'll stutter more. Like I'm not as good at articulating myself. I can't find my train of thought as quickly because I spend so much time alone. So I know that it's better for me to exercise my brain and talk to people, but I like it being alone. So it's like a guilty pleasure. And I, the idea of celebrating with other people and going on vacations and enjoying like the fruits of your labor with right. other people, to me, I have yet, well, it does. The idea of like having a partner who makes you super happy and like right. to travel the world with somebody who is so much fun and like enriches that experience right. is great. If somebody's going to come in and make my life better, why would I reject such a thing? But I have yet to meet a person who feels better than being alone. Interesting. And I would never like, I, it would either have to be a person who feels better than being alone or be alone. I would never want somebody who is so-so. And I, that might not exist because the whole thing about relationships is compromise and it's not always good. But for me, it's like, why would it not be? Like I kind of... I guess my preconceived idea of you is that you had, when I asked you the question of if you had been in a relationship, like I would have said, oh yeah, just because I think you have like a maturity. Well, I mean, obviously a maturity, but also like a, a, uh, a level of like wisdom and understanding about yourself. And I think oftentimes the understanding of yourself can come through being in relationships and totally. stuff like that, which I think is pretty amazing that you're at this point, you know, and we're young and, and knowing that about yourself. Um, and that's why I'm not anti-relationship. I'm so down for people to like grow and learn with another person. Have you ever had a craving to be in like a into into a relationship? Yes, but I haven't really felt that since like early college or high school. Mm -hmm. But I have been I've experienced like love and intimacy and had long term like gotten to know somebody right. over many years. There are people who have been in my life that are romantic, but we've never been in the same place long enough to like do a serious relationship, but we've grown together did, and learned together. Did it scare you? Um the, the ones that I really – there were, like, two of those people since I've been, like, 18 who I, like, really, really, really liked to the point where it scared me the idea of losing them. Mm. But the other ones, I'm like, I don't know. You should be afraid you're going to lose me because you're great. But, like, I don't, like, fear losing you. I will be fine without you. But the there were, like, two that were, like, deeply – you know, it was really scary and I was almost glad – that we couldn't have a serious long-term relationship and maybe they were long distance or we were at different points in our lives because I was like, at least I know that I can't get further attached. 
Interesting. Yeah. How much do you think your parents' relationship plays into your idea or desires or lack thereof of a relationship? Um, a lot. I think that my parents, um, not necessarily purposefully, have created a level of cynicism in me about relationships. They are great colleagues. They are great people who, yeah, they're companions. They are, there's good synergy there. How long have they been together? 30 years? Um, A little longer than I've been alive. So yeah, close to, close to 30. I don't know, 28 or something. But I, I think that they, you know, my mom has explained, she's like, after this many years of being together, it's like there's not always like romantic excitement or love. And I think that they would both agree with that. And I would agree with that. I'm like, how can you feel butterflies with somebody who you have lived with for 30 years? Like, I get it. But people insist like, oh, you're a lifelong partner. So to me, seeing them together, I'm like, they're friends. They're colleagues. But do I think that they are like romantically in love? So then I'm curious, are you, I think you mentioned a little bit on Hannah's show, Mm -hmm. but like, are you actively dating? Yeah. I'm not like looking. Right. But I'm like happy to go on a date for fun. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I'm curious, like, the the mentality, if, if, the, if the mindset is like, okay, maybe not necessarily, like, relationship or looking for it, mm-hmm. then, you know, like, I guess, why date? And right. And it being fun or having good moments or meeting new people, I think, is a great, is a good enough answer. Yeah, I, I, I love to talk about dating on yeah. TikTok and stuff, too. I would go so far as to do, like, a dating show. Like, I think that would be fun, like, project for me. I think that dating is a great way to like a good topic through which to tell a story and to be funny. And I just love the idea of going on dates with people and meeting new people. So I love to talk about it. I love to do it. It's fun. The other night I went on a date. I'm in no way looking for a relationship. I wasn't even like, really browsing Hinge or anything, but I got a notification. He asked if I wanted to get drinks that night and I didn't even think he was that cute, but I was like, sure. Like, why not? Why wouldn't I? Cause it's like fun. It's exciting and fun to meet a new person. And I don't know. I feel like I got some like m- perspective out of it, like material out of it. And I only say that about him because he was a dick. I could tell, but like <laughs> I wouldn't say that about a really nice guy, but he was just, it was just kind of like a night where I was bored. So dating is a fun thing to do. And I think that it's a freeing perspective, especially for women to adopt. If anyone's listening and is looking for a new way to view dating, try dating, not looking for a boyfriend, just try dating to date. It's fun. You know, what I, well, I think what's interesting about our generation is that they bat I think they really want to date but they don't know how mm-hmm. I think and tell me if you agree as a guy I think that dating a lo- like has really changed since our parents generation obviously needless to say but like dating apps and the presence of social media for men I think it makes dating a lot harder and monogamy a lot harder and this, I'd have to, you'd have to have somebody after me on, like some sort of specialist, psychologist, yeah. whatever, who studies men and women. But men, I feel like have the, the, the sudden access to all of these options for men, I think is a lot more tempting than it is for women. Because I think that men have more of a testosterone, like desire to go out, mark their territory, conquer, like, you know what I mean? Spread their seed. It's like an innate thing. And I think that monogamy has become a lot harder for men in the social media age because there's options everywhere. And it's, they're seeing beautiful women all over the place. Whereas women can see beautiful men all the time and not really feel tempted. That's how I feel. That I agree. Yeah. That, that I, I'm trying to think. 
I know it's a generalization. No, no, but- no, I know, I know, but I'm trying to see because I think it's an interesting point. I, if I'm being honest, I mm-hmm. think that regardless of the apps and the availability, I just think that generally speaking, generally generationally, and I've seen it. I'm not going to expose the different generations, but at least the people in my life that men, if we're just talking about men, are dating apps or no dating apps or social media, they're all kind of the same. It's the same. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of the same mentality. I guess now if you want to see all your options, you can see them at your disposal. Right. Before they're just finding the alternative ways to do that. Right. <laughs> so right. it's... You know, that's what I think is um, men are like dogs. They, just, <laughs> you said it, not me. No, like um, I'll be the first to say it. I'm, yeah. Like they they like three things and those three things they love and they just can't get enough of those three things. Yeah. I, you know, I hate to say it. I think that men, the nature of men from what I can from where I'm standing and from what I do and the types of men that I interact with on the daily online Men have changed a lot over in recent years Okay. as women have changed. I think that women are becoming more woke, forgive the buzzword, to the fact that we don't need men to like live. And I think that men, even though a lot of them are supportive of that and they're progressive, Mm -hmm. they're reacting in a way that's like a, a kind of like insecure and like clamping on to like their last remaining things that they can hold over women, which is like the gender wage gap. So it's like, I can make more than you. And the fact that 80% of violence is inflicted by men in the world, I can protect you. So there's these two things that they're kind of like grasping onto as like, these are the two ways that I can still serve women and that they still need me for protection against other men and for money, because it's a lot easier for me to earn than Mm -hmm. than for them. And they're like really, and that's where we get this like alpha male personality that's like rising to the top of our algorithms. This man who needs to like, this idea that we they need to assert themselves as like, no, 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 women, you can't. Just It's this big thing, like this big topic of like, you can't take care of yourselves. I still can. You still need men. You still need men. And it's made men a lot more like, not all of them, I don't want to generalize, but more aggressive okay, when dating. So- And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meats. At uswellnessmeats.com, you can choose from over 350 foods raised the way nature intended. That includes 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture-raised heritage pork, wild-caught seafood, and pasture-raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeats.com where the owners are the actual farmers themselves. And now they've introduced a subscription food delivery service and curated sample farm bundles. Choose the bundle of food you want to receive every month and they'll deliver it right to your door automatically. It's never been easier to serve your family real, honest-to-goodness food without the junk. U.S. Wellness Meats is the choice of championship sports teams, professional athletes, chefs, world-class trainers, and families just like yours all over America. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to save 15% off of every order at uswellnessmeats.com. Now let's get back into it. So then with dating. Mm-hmm. So then I guess my question to you is, because I think I know, like in recent, I would even say in like the last year, right? 
I think that there's like this, uh, and I've heard, I've heard the conversation honestly on both sides, obviously more on the male side. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also like there are women who, who some of those more masculine tendencies, mm-hmm. like they, st- like there's some women that want that of what is maybe mm-hmm. traditionally masculine, I guess. Right. I wouldn't and, and argue I, and that. I guess like. Like my question to you is like for you in an ideal sense with an ideal, uh, if there's a man in your life, would you want, what kind of qualities, would the qualities that you're looking for, um, would you have, would, would you connect them to being more male or female? Like what, what are some of those ideal qualities? Um, and do you put any, I guess, gender association to them? Well, I think that when, okay, so when women talk about men being like, quote unquote, losers or like, why would I spend my time on this guy? A lot of the things that they touch on are like, well, this guy isn't earning his own money. This guy isn't, um, he doesn't have his own aspirations or his own friends. He doesn't have his own life going on. And a lot of men interpret that as, well, see, women are still looking for the alpha male um, nuclear family where the man is the provider. They're still looking there. They talk about how they want to be empowered, but they're still looking for the male breadwinner. That's not what women are saying. We're saying that in a in a world, in a society that is built for men to succeed, mm-hmm. for a man to not be having ambitions and to not be working towards a personal success, a, a life that is fruitful, it's so it's such a turnoff. We're not looking for a breadwinner. I'm not looking for a guy who can provide for me. Right. I'm looking for a guy who has his own life and goals. And to me, it's like, of course, I'm going to call you a loser if you don't have passions and if you don't have hobbies or things that, you know, a job that you like or is successful for you. Okay, then honest question. If you were with somebody that, um, I mean, because I think what's hard is that, and I think it's unfortunate, right, Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of like the metric for success or the metric for is in a lot of ways money. I think it's unfortunate, right? Especially in certain industries that like, you know, especially in the entertainment arts and whatever, like mm-hmm. a lot of those are usually unfortunately not don't go hand in hand. Right. Um, or I mean you have to be in like the top point, you know, mm-hmm. one tenth of a percent. Right. Um but I guess if you were to be with somebody that um was extremely passionate mm-hmm. um and but maybe you felt like wasn't able to take care of themselves from a financial perspective, would you think that that would hinder or um, taint your, I guess, your long-term vision with them? Um, I would be lying if I said it didn't at all. Of course, in any person, man or woman, to me, mm-hmm. when I'm whether I'm looking for a romantic partner or for friends, what's appealing to me, what would be appealing to me about a person who like cannot pay their own rent? Like right. it's not, I want somebody who is driven and right. finding some success and isn't going to completely lean on me, right. friends or lover. Like it's not attractive in anyone, but I don't think that it would be, the main turnoff would not be that he can't provide. It would be that he is not um, smart or savvy enough right. to find to a way in the world where he can make money and sort of follow that passion. I think that, especially for a man in the society that we exist in, it is a lot easier for them to earn money and find ways in the world to succeed. It's kind of a turnoff to me that a guy wouldn't um, have an ambition that brought him some sort of support for himself. But I'm turned off by anybody who can't, 
like fundamentally support themselves and put a roof over their head. It's like, to me, it's like, you know, grow up. If you're a grown adult and you can't do it, but it's not like a guy or girl thing. It's just like an everybody thing. Are there, are there traits that you associate that you, that you like that would be deemed quote, like healthy masculine traits? I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, we can talk about there are things that are like stereotypically and traditionally masculine that I still find more attractive than what a lot of like, I don't know, like Fox News commentators would deem like to be the new man. I'm still, I'm not attracted to guys who dress in a feminine way. And I love that we live in a world now where it's becoming more prevalent for people to bend gender norms in fashion and whatever and in appearance. But I will always be attracted to cisgender heterosexual men because that is what is attractive to me and people who present as men Mm -hmm. and that to me is like you know i support everybody's right to present exactly how they want to but i'm always going to be drawn to people who look like the traditional masculine version the stereotypical man what about from like a personality perspective people who i like people who are confident i used to think that i really liked men who um exuded traits that were like really manly like Mm -hmm. people who like were fixers and wanted to take charge of me as I've matured, no, I, I'm really more into people who are shy and kind of can sit back and like, Interesting. I don't know. Like I, I'm really more drawn to people who I used to always be my type before I started doing the job that I have now. I've always loved comedy and entertainment. Mm-hmm. I've always known that I want to get into it in some way somehow. Mm-hmm. So I've always dated men who were a little bit older than me and who had already found some bit of success in the creative realm. Other comics people who wrote for shows anything like that was very attractive to me and it used to be because I was like I was sort of like this person can mentor me now I am not attracted to anybody who is in my realm in any way right and I can respect them and find them super cool but I don't want to date them because I think that I've gained a sense of self of like I don't need a man to bring that part of life into my life I'm doing it for myself I'm the creative thinker I'm doing creative projects. I don't need to like critique a guy's or like work with a guy on one. I would love to date like a lawyer or like, I don't know, like an engineer or an artist or something like a painter, but like not a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. I think I've like found it within myself to like validate myself in that way. I don't need like a fellow comedian to like validate me. You know, how do you go about because I think like all the the dialogues you have with yourself are very healthy and very honest. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of our, you know, people our age, I'm just even thinking about my friends and people that are in my life. Like I think they would benefit from being able to have more of those dialogues or more of those self-reflections that, it at least appears on the outside that you have with yourself. Uh, do you analyze and see it that way or or not as much? No, I think I'm, I'm very hard on myself in ways I'm trying to work on. And I think that my self-talk, I know that like something I'm proud of is I'm, I'm good at articulating myself. And um, I think I'm a very rational person. Like I think that my my train of thought is something that is rational and considers a lot of different angles. But the the self-talk that I use just for my own little self, the thing that never comes out, you know, the voice in your head. Mm -hmm. That one is highly irrational, really mean, and I'm desperately trying to fix it, and I can't. Mm -hmm. 
and everyone has it. But I think that, you know, I'm glad to hear that somebody thinks that I'm I'm a rational, healthy thinker. Like the, the stuff that comes in the top of my head well, is healthy, but well, the back is not. Well, yeah. I mean, look. <laughs> is anyone's? No. Exactly. I have some fucked up thoughts and you got yeah. some, and you, like, you know, there's moments where you're just like, how the fuck can I even think like that? Right. Um, But I still think that there's a level of, but even in those moments, I think being able to at least articulate the way you are, you know, I think that a lot of people our age, especially with the pressures of socials and stuff like that, they're just struggling to like actually sit down with themselves and and be like, okay, yeah, this is this is how I actually feel. I don't feel this because I saw X person do it, right? But I actually feel this way. This is how I actually want to go about doing this. this is how right. I want to go about doing that? And you know, it's uh, and it's creating a lot of self doubt and a lot of honestly a lot of like paralysis in my mm-hmm. opinion. You know, like people are just like they're frozen, right? Um, and and it's sad because I see a lot of really smart people my age, our age that's like they're so gifted they're so talented they're so smart so a lot of things but like they're they're just scared because they don't know them they don't know themselves and they don't know their limits they don't know their boundaries they don't know um how to approach professional mm-hmm. aspirations so i think it's important you know especially you know now that you have a massive audience in my opinion um is I'm and I'm sure you're already doing it tenfold and you probably don't even see it, but like people, especially people our age, like it probably resonates. They probably that's probably why I think you've gained the following that you have. Um, is because they relate to a lot of things you're saying, you know? Or even or it might not even be what you're saying, it might be the way you're articulating. Because mm-hmm. for some people it's hard. Like what you're articulating, it it for you it comes off easily, but for some people it's not. That's I think that's the main reason that I, I do what I do aside from like making people laugh like the goal is to be entertaining it's not always to like make a difference but if there's anything that I'm going to say that's like not really funny but is about life and that I want like maybe a young woman to take from my page I really am very happy with people saying things like oh you said what I was thinking but I didn't know how to say it or you've articulated something that I could never articulate I think that that's like one of one gift that I can use for the better and I'm like, it's like my favorite comment to get. Like if no. there's anything that I could be doing to be articulating things that other people just wish that they could say, but they can't find the right words. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a great service for me to be providing the world, if you can call it that, you know? Do you think, do you think like in terms of with regards, let's say specifically to TikTok, like mm-hmm. the longevity is there in terms of like just this brand of content? Or do you feel like, you know, over time that you've had to pivot and will continue to pivot in certain ways? I've had to pivot a lot. I think that everything that I've done, like, could work for a long time, but it won't ever get the same growth that it got in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I find that every, like, two months I'm doing something. You know, I've started, like, a couple different, like, trends and stuff. Like, I've, I've tried to, like, get on the forefront. I think that's something I do well is I stay. A lot of people who've, like, been doing this as long as I have, making a living off of TikTok, posting regularly as long as I have, maybe don't have the engagement that I still have. And I think that my strength Mm -hmm. is that I have always been changing, always been coming up with a new thing that can go viral. And I think a mistake a lot of people make is 
either pivoting in a way that they lose the main thread of who they are. Every little thing that I've done, every new pivot that I've made, it's still like my essence that was at the beginning. Like I, people still like me for the same reason that they did in my first video. It's never like a total 180. But another mistake that people make is not pivoting at all right. and doing the exact same like theme, the exact same trend that they went viral for. Eventually, the nature of TikTok and of the internet and of life is that the same thing cannot work forever. And it's just not, you have to like find the like thread of who you are. Like I found the thing about me that makes people laugh or that makes people find me appealing, but you have to package it in different ways all the time. And that's what keeps you relevant. And for me, it's like, it's important to stay that way, but I don't, I also think a mistake would be to only do TikTok forever and to never try and try your hand at other adjacent things. Well, especially because I think that your skills and your brand and personality and intelligence and all of that like is so like you would find six like when we were talking about like late night or writing or snl or whatever you know daily show like that i feel like is a very natural progression thank you i think so too and i mean i think that i'm i'm hopefully the the bummer of this is that i like put in a lot of time and effort into the tiktok stuff and i've gained an audience that you probably wouldn't ever be able to gain in this amount of time by just doing stand-up or by writing for people. But those other things, the traditional things are really important. And as of right now, you can't like be on, you can't be a correspondent on The Daily Show that was hired off of just TikTok. Well, because TikTok's been around for a year and a half. Exactly. And unfortunately, I think that in 10 years, five years, oh, it'll sure. be so different. Well, I think... But I'm hoping to be... And I've tried my hand at stand-up and other stuff, but like... I would hope that I can be one of the first who is hired for mainly having built an audience online. And I know that that's going to anger a lot of people if it happens and like, you know, stuff like that. But I, I think that this is like, if Jerry Seinfeld were around and he got started and was my age in 2022, he'd be on TikTok too, as much as he would hate to say it. So and I think <laughs> that's like, what happens. And even speaking of somebody that, that we were talking about, like Hannah Burner, look at her. Mm -hmm. Same thing, you know. I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, when you're trying to climb levels, and I should probably take more of my own advice as well, is like, I, my observation is it's never generally one thing. Mm -hmm. Like when you're like climbing from level A to B to C, it's usually a combination of like, you'll have your people that know you from TikTok, but then, oh, wait, she's also like writer at The Daily Show. So then you'll have them and then they've they now are introduced to your TikTok, TikTok grows. Mm -hmm. TikTok, you already have a big audience. They now see here, this grows. Like that's kind of like, you mm -hmm. know, and then maybe you're doing like, maybe you, you really start doing stand-up more, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's like all these different things. And so now that's like, in my opinion, that's how you grow the true brand. Right. And I, I think that a mistake that a lot of people make who are deeply talented and great at, for example, stand-up, they are so, they're such purists yeah. that they don't want to join TikTok because they say, well, I'm the traditional and you don't need TikTok. Look at all these other people in the past. Yeah. And it's like, that was the past. It's like Dave Attell. Yeah. Well, I mean, no. No? I First love Dave Attell. I know. Same. Like, we can't talk I, any shit about Dave Attell. Oh, I love him so much. But that's why it always <laughs> pains me because, like, I have people that, like, I'll be like, he's one of my favorite comedians ever. Mm -hmm. And they're like, who's Dave Attell? And I'm like, no, everybody in comedy knows know. who Dave Attell is, like, a legend. I know. But, like, he doesn't. But but honestly, but that's also a whole different generation It's a brand. whole thing. It's a whole different generation. But, hey, if Dave Attell had started right, right now, 
he would have to get on TikTok. Like that is the only way now. Yeah, and there are certain people who are trying to say, well, David Tell never did TikTok. And it's like, David Tell wasn't, didn't start when TikTok started. Now it's a different world and you have to kind of modernize. I mean, there are certain people who I think are doing a great job at like incorporating TikTok, but So what happens if both. TikTok gets wiped out tomorrow? Look. <laughs> not to, get, not to keep you up. up at night. No, it does keep me up at night every night. Um, <laughs> it literally, it's really bad. Um, until recently, my main source of income was not TikTok. It was Snapchat. Mm-hmm. But Snapchat is wiping original content. They're not able, it's not lucrative anymore because people aren't downloading Snapchat. It's not growing as an app. So um, TikTok obviously doesn't have the same problem, but TikTok has been seen as dangerous. I don't have to explain, you know. So, you know, if that were to go away tomorrow, I would have my savings <laughs> and I would have to really do a quicker pivot that I've been doing. I've been trying to pivot I'm writing and I'm the goal for like, say the end of this year would be to like sell a long form project and get mm-hmm. started on something so that I would like my goal for next year for 2024 would to not have my rent come off of TikTok. Right. Um, I'd like to sell a project, get paid in advance and work on that project all mm-hmm. year. But that's what I'm working on now. And if TikTok goes away tomorrow in, in seven months, I'd like to say it would be okay if TikTok went away. I'd be very saddened. I love it as a, um, as a way to connect with an audience, but it would be okay. Because hopefully I'll have something You're, else in the fire. But right now I it's, genuinely, can't happen. <laughs> there, there are people that, that I get I worried about and there are people that I don't worry about. I don't worry about you. Thanks. And I don't, I'm not even saying that like I, I think because I think, it, you know, and I've been privileged enough to sit down with a lot of very successful people, comedians, entrepreneurs, whatever. And uh, it's just my opinion. But I think a lot of all of your mindset and the way you act and speak and work, like it aligns with the pe- these people that are far older than we are that have been successful and that have found success um, without even having platforms. So I think at the end of the day, you'll always figure it out, right? And if you're what, however million followers on TikTok, right, it gets wiped out tomorrow, you'll find a way because the product that you've created is is a very good product, right? And now it's even on other, whether it's platforms or whether it's, other work or things that you can show for like and you have the the skills so i understand where the anxieties come from but you know we also sometimes i think especially because you and i are the same age to pinch ourselves and you know remind ourselves that we're we've worked our asses off but there you know we'll be okay i feel the same way about you we will i I really do and my problem is not um, – I'm very fortunate, and I think you can probably say the same, but don't let me speak for you, is I have never had an issue with, like, doomsday type of thinking. I've always felt that the proof is there, that mm-hmm. I have something, I'm good at something, and it can make some money, and I will – at the end of the day, it will work out. And that was what happened with college apps, and that's what happened with – I don't know, whatever else happened in my life that I was worried about. It all it works out in the end. Out. For me, that's my affirmation, lucky girl syndrome, whatever. Like, it's going to work out. But my type of anxiety that I have is, like, the day-to-day. It's, like, what's going to happen tomorrow? I know that in a year I'll be fine, but what's going to happen tomorrow? Like, I don't know how I'm going to get there. So the idea – do you feel that – you say you work your ass off. I believe you. I don't think that I work my ass off. I think that I have found a really easy way to, like (laughs) – I don't think that I have much of a work ethic. I have talent. But I don't. But hey, sometimes you, sometimes talent is all you need. Like I think, I don't think so. I'll be honest. I think, 
if if anything, I think that I might be the reverse of that. I think mm. that I, I well, I, not that I think I work hard because I I know I know that I do. Um, I think naturally, like even when I was kind of scrolling through, your t- like I barely use TikTok, like that, and it's a, it's a major mistake, right? But like, I'm naturally like I I don't think I I tried doing like a vlog twice or three times, and it doesn't to me. It just comes off very. I, in my mind, I'm always like, who the fuck cares what I'm doing, right? But I see people that are excellent like you and, I mean, you know, a host of other people that, like, it comes organically. It's actually interesting. It's not corny, right? So, but I'm, I think I'm very aware of my strengths and weaknesses. I think I'm very aware of who I am and what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. So, what I know I'm good at is, like, putting my head down and working 10 times harder to compensate for maybe the lack of innate or um, organic comfort as like I guess a content creator of sorts Mm -hmm. like I don't really like so it's a weird one it's like uh but I'm okay with it like I don't feel bad I don't I don't feel bad like I know like some people are just really good at some things and that's okay and I'm good at other things and that's okay too but you are really good at this thank you you are and and I've but I've worked hard like I've worked hard at trying to you know like um create an environment and even you know that's why it means a lot to me when you say like you know treating my guests right and and the small things here and there like I've worked hard at that um and then there's been a lot of like you know adjacent kind of opportunities and other projects that I'm working on that have come all from this all Mm -hmm. from this and and I won't bore you with that right now but it's like um so I've seen all the good and I it's it's like it's okay Mm -hmm. but I think that there's still you know like we were talking about platforms and stuff like I should be doing so much more that than I, than I you know, and that's why I look. Yeah. That's why when I when I see people like you who and the way that you express yourself and the way that you go about it, then I, I like I learn a lot from it, which mm-hmm. is great. I think we, maybe ambitious people will always feel like there's more that they can be doing. Oh, for sure, and maybe that's our curse, man. In ten years, <laughs> one Emmy, two Emmys, two. I don't know, maybe more. That's oh, more, more. more. <laughs> We're manifesting. If you have, if you have, <laughs> if you have at least one Emmy, is it one Emmy per child? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, I will not Wait, have a child. A, can you make me a deal? Well, actually, no. Why do I care about? Like, <laughs> who the fuck? I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> no, we could pretend. Okay, go ahead. What's the deal? One Emmy what per if, child. What if you have like five Emmys? That's a lot. If I won five Emmys, I get have... pregnant tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, this no. still blows my mind how like <laughs> your your entire equation is like literally like one side is like Emmys and one side is kids and they somehow have to balance out. Yeah, I look, I I will not feel and it, it sucks to say that awards. I know that awards are the most meaningless part of this whole thing. There are plenty of wonderful life-changing shows out there that don't win any awards. Awards are it's stupid. It's a terrible system. But to me it would be like a symbol of like, I've come far enough, like I have this tangible thing in my hand that tells me, it doesn't have to be an Emmy, maybe it's something else, but it's like a statue. Something that's like, I saw enough success to reach this point. I can put it down and then I'll say, okay, honey, you wanna get me pregnant? (laughs) Honey, just do it. That's what'll happen. (laughs) You know what I think? What? I'm excited for, if this day ever comes, Mm -hmm. you'll, where you like post like like that you're pregnant mm-hmm. and I'll, and then I'll just whip out I'll hit my, my producer I'll be like dude 
roll it back to that episode, <laughs> clip it. There's so many, There's so many podcasts that are going to be able to do that. There's like, it's really I don't want bad. kids. I don't want this. If I thought I couldn't have a kid before, now that I've talked about it so much publicly, <laughs> I really can't have one. The kid would kill themselves. Oh my- <laughs> sorry, baby. <laughs> Mommy's sorry <laughs> if you're listening to this. <laughs> she didn't want you. She didn't want you. You're a fucking mistake. It's only because you wanted Emmy. Damn. That's <laughs> yeah. That kid's already, you should sign him up for therapy right now. Prenatal therapy. Yep. <laughs> what if I. 10 years uh, out. While I was pregnant, I would have a therapist talk to my stomach. Oh my God. I just preach at the stomach. It would be. Have you ever been um, hypnotized? But, no, but I've been. I'd have the baby be hypnotized. Have you ever been hypnotized? Mm hmm. Does it work? Yeah. I did hypnotherapy. My mom had a group on. <laughs> no, wait, wait. See, did, I've been like, trying to get sessions. this for a while. It was um, during, I want to say, maybe it was called, yeah, it was during college. And I had found myself in a place. My mom was like, I want you to go on antidepressants because I think that you're like, mm-hmm. you're gaining weight or you're not being, you don't, you've lost your work ethic or something. I was just having like a sluggish semester. Right. And my mom got like a deal for hypnotherapy. And it was this Orthodox Jewish man hey. who had a hypnotherapy practice. Jews and their deals. <laughs> Dude, nah. you better be Jewish. Yes, okay. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> you would be surprised at how many people these days. Anyway. <laughs> My last name's Levine. So, um, right. It's almost um, as bad as yours. Oh, yeah. No, it's... Dude, mine's yours the worst. Is, yours is... I've thought about changing it. Yours is borderline. It's like asking for anti-Semitism, honestly. Oh, no, it is. Both your first <laughs> and last. Like, my first can kind of pass for not. I know. My last... And it's so funny when I make a Jew joke and people are like, you better be Jewish. Yeah, and I'm like, like Dude, girl, like, <laughs> Talia <laughs> <the> Lickstein, <laughs> babe, re- guess what my middle name is. Oh, wait, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. Actually. Think like biblical Jew um, name. See, I'm not that, that <laughs> Jewish to know like the whole. It's Rebecca. Oh, that's really It's like Jewish. second behind Rachel. Oh, that is. Yeah. Anyway. I was thinking Rachel, yeah. The orthodox hypnotist, hypnotherapist. What? What happened? That means one. Oh, wait, no, that's good. That just means the middle one died. Okay, cool. Keep going. We'll wrap um, Yeah, the orthodox hypnotist. They, you sit on the couch and they walk you through like, what does it mean? And essentially you cannot be hypnotized into doing anything that you consciously wouldn't do. So that's kind of how they tell the women who come into the okay. office, you're not going to be able to like take your shirt off, whatever, because I tell you, because you wouldn't do anything um, when you're under this, is this thing right. that you wouldn't do normally. So he kind of starts snapping, does this thing and you're put to sleep. I don't remember anything, but I was awake. The whole time. Oh, my eyes were like wild. half open. And I just kind of stared and I was just, he shuts off your conscious brain and speaks to your subconscious brain. And it starts feeding thoughts, the types of thoughts that your bad voice in your head is feeding your subconscious brain that eventually creep into your conscious. These thoughts are what form habits. So if you're telling yourself positive affirmations or negative ones about like smoking or something, then your conscious brain will pick up on those and start forming habits. So, for example, if I were trying to quit smoking, the guy would lecture me while I'm mm. hypnotized for an hour straight about why I should not smoke. Okay, question. But when you're like, you're like fighting it back because you're like, no, nah, I don't believe in this shit. Like when you're. No, like you're, you like, you're subconscious. It's your subconscious. Okay. Because I so, feel like I'd be like skeptical all the time. I'd be like, I'd be like, I know what he's trying to do. So I'm going to like purposely like fight it. You think you want to, but then as soon as you're hypnotized, that's the point of the hypnotized. Yeah, I know. Like, but that's therapy, I, you want to fight it because no. you're conscious. But your subconscious brain, he was just telling me like, you know, 
you have a better work ethic than this and you want to eat better you want to you want to have a more um strict regimen you want to have a better diet and a healthier like early wake up earlier and i swear to god for a whole semester it might have been a placebo i don't know i was waking up every day at 7 a.m and going to sleep at like 11. it's very healthy i've never had that type of schedule in my life and i would get home do my homework right away eat like a banana as a snack like i had no cravings for shit food I really was like a healthy human being for like a semester and then it wore off. So it's something that you should do like once a semester in your life. Why don't you continue doing it? Um, I don't know. I just kind of forgot. I forgot about the hypnotism. (laughs) Yeah, but I'll go back. Yeah. It was fun. It was like so relaxing too because you basically just fall asleep. It's great. Anyways, (laughs) got a lot to... Not the hypnotism I want. Yeah. And they I can had, like convince you that you're pretty and funny and smart. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Sign up today. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, all right. So in 10 years, g- give me so that we look back on it in 10 years. Oh, Tell me where like you're holding at. myself. Mm-hmm. Accountable. Little, no, a little manifestation. In 10 years, I would hope to be someone who is on a late night TV show or has a show or had a show. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a show. I want a streamed or cable show. Okay. Um, and I want to be talking as a, for a living. I want to be addressing things like politics and the state of the world in a really funny way. And I would also hope that on the side, I have some sort of, um, you know, effort, like an organization or something that uh, is in, it, it benefits women. So that's another thing I hope to be doing. Um, those are things I plates I'd like to be spinning in my life, but um, I don't know. I just hope to be somebody who like s- people like really look up to, like somebody that I would look up to now. You know, and that's ha- it. There you go. Well, I have no <laughs> doubts. Um, no, genuinely, I think that it's refreshing to having somebody that's that's my age that you know I think is uh, just has a really good outlook. You know, and that even. Even if, you know, you haven't been doing this that long or you haven't or you're not that old, you know, what I mean, you're like you're mm-hmm. still young to just have those ambitions and uh, those visions and now manifesting them. Yeah. So I'm rooting for you. And uh, you too. Thank you. And I'll uh, let's check back in. in ten. Let's years. check back in. in 10 What's years? your 10 year thing? I would love to have successfully started and exited a company. Mm, like selling it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will have, uh, while always doing my show and hopefully scaling it to other levels, probably not, it probably would never be realistic, I think, for late night. But I think that uh, a show of that kind of magnitude would be lovely. And if it's myself doing it here in a different space, um, but it's got that kind of platform, I think that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think being able to, I guess being in a, and that's, I guess, hand in hand with starting and successfully selling a company or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. is then being in a position where I can then... Um, have my hands in different other projects of people that I want to help that I think mm-hmm. are doing really cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean that more in like being able to like finance them. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I think just like being part of like creating something that's not been, I really like, I love the feeling of creating something and seeing it grow mm-hmm. and seeing people grow while a project grows. I think that's really cool mm-hmm. or a concept or a brand or a vision or whatever it might be or content. Um, so I think it, well, but I think it all kind of comes down to, I really just want to be my own boss, mm-hmm. Same. you know? And I think like, I want to, ambition has never been an issue. Like I just, I've always like had huge goals. Mm-hmm. So I know that I'm not worried about like getting lazy. It's more like, I kn- I love working. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to like continue love working and being able to be in a position where I can do what I want to do every day. Mm-hmm. That's really like the ultimate, you know? Same. So I just- aspire to like truly not work hard every single day and have a life, like live, enjoy the fruits of my labor. Right. I don't aspire. It's great that you love working. I don't aspire to work year round. I would love for my job to lead me to a place where I'm like. We take like, how many months off at a time? I would love to like work really hard on a project that and I then, believe in for like four to six months out of the year. And then the, the rest, oh, see that. I can like live. And you get along with my mom. Yeah, that's what she likes to do. She, she's been, that's exactly what she likes to do. Right? But I get it. I get it. Yeah. But you got you to gotta work. You got to work hard now. You got to work hard now. I know. While we're still young, while we're spring chickens. Do you see yourself being in New York forever? That's a good question. I love this city. Um, I love, you know what the feeling, I don't know if you feel this as, I guess, a born New Yorker now or mm-hmm. a, uh, an adopted New Yorker, is the feeling of coming back to the city is like the best. Yeah. There are moments where I'm like, like I'm going to Miami on Thursday and I'm like, I'm excited to go to Miami. Mm-hmm. But when I get back to New York, I'm like, ah, oh, it's such a good feeling. That's so, um, I don't know. I think I love traveling. I've mm-hmm. always traveled since I was young and I've been lucky enough to travel. And I think it's like, that's one of my favorite things in the world too. So yeah. if I could like have a little time here and a little time there and New York is the home base mm-hmm. and you know, that I think is the dream. That's the dream. Same. So we just got to make the dreams happen. The dreams are going to happen. They are. We just got to. Everything works out for us. We're so lucky. We're lucky. Well, this is the affirmation. This is what you're supposed to do. I saw oh, on TikTok. Okay. Oh. We're so we're lucky. We're so lucky. We're so blessed. We're so healthy. We're so smart. Yeah. We're so what else? Everything works out for us. I think it was that. We get everything we want. We get everything we want. There's not a single thing we don't get that we want. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do that more often. <laughs> You're supposed to do it in the mirror. You should have Serena Kerrigan on your podcast. <sighs> I should. She'll make you talk to a mirror. She makes me do it. It's really annoying. Really? But it works for a lot of people. She has a great, great business model. She's great. <sighs> I don't even know if I could look at myself in the mirror and do that right you got it. You got to practice it. Have SFK here. SFK. Anyways, thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Pleasure. This was so fun. It was, and uh, I'm sure we'll do it again sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Boom. Boom. Boom.